Welcome to the Global Business Builders Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders to explore the expansion of international business, including compliance, intel, and strategies that you need to know to expand your brand and leverage the global talent pool. Now, here's your host and global connector, Warren Spiewak. Well, welcome to the Global Business Builders Podcast. You know, as we start to roll out this show, something that just seems so evident is that there are companies that are sometimes just looking for expertise in not just cultural intelligence, but also their ability to have better global fluency. And all these words could mean different things to different people, but we're going to get some answers today. I've got a great guest who coaches companies all over the world. She's a great resource. I actually met her coincidentally. I want to say it was at the Global Chamber. I'll confirm that here in a minute. But Victoria Reynoldson helps international leaders and teams working cross-culturally, not just to elevate their communication, but their cultural intelligence. And as we get into this conversation, you're going to really get a lot out of this. Anyone who's looking to expand has global aspirations, or if you're already there and just struggling with a few little things that aren't little, we're going to dive into that. She is a communication coach, cultural intelligence trainer, and she's the founder and CEO of Culture Cuppa. So first of all, I want to welcome you to the show. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Warren. Thank you so much for the warm welcome and congratulations on this brand new show. It's really exciting to be part of the early episodes. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're actually the first interview I'm doing where it's somebody coming in with a certain expertise to share a certain angle. The way I'm thinking of this show, and I'm only going into it because it is so new, is that, yes, we're going to have people that have gone international, maybe taken their company to one new country, or maybe they've taken it completely global, and just sharing their experiences, the challenges maybe that they've experienced, maybe things to know. It's going to be a really interesting to see how this show unwinds. But my goal is, is that the listener gets to hear things that maybe they didn't know they need to think about, or things they need to consider or maybe even something about going global that helps them enhance their experience and growth capabilities. So anyway, this is going to be a really great one. I would just want to start off, maybe share like your location and like what's a day in the life of being a culture intelligence coach, etc. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. So as your listeners might be able to hear, my accent is British and I'm based in London, the UK. And I have lived here most of my life, but I've also had periods of studying and working abroad. I lived and studied in Germany and Russia. And actually my background, this is my second career. So I want to sort of tell the story because it's kind of relevant, I think, for the listeners as well. And my first career was in international brand marketing. So I've always been based in the UK, but working with teams and people all over the world, whether that was in the North America or in Europe or in Asia. And I was always really curious about how people communicated with each other, how they connected with each other. And in some situations, didn't connect with each other, didn't understand mm. what was really going on and how the miscommunications came up. And that got me really interested in this whole area where you know communication meets culture, where the communication and cultural gap comes up. 
And that's what really led me into setting up this company, my company, Culture Cuppa, eight years ago. And, you know, now I do my work from London, the UK. I do travel, but of course I do so much of that virtually through the joy of virtual kind of connections. And so that's a bit of context on my background. Now, talking about my day-to-day, well, really it's incredibly varied. So that could be about talking to companies about what's coming up for them, what kind of challenges they're experiencing internally or externally. It could be about running training, either face-to-face or virtually. And it could be coaching individuals, senior leaders within these organizations who really need the support with these skills, with their communication and cultural intelligence skills. And it also might be me creating podcast episodes of my own. So I host a podcast as well cultural communication confidence. And I also have a great joy in creating those episodes and do that as a weekly show. I love that. And yes, you know, as I kind of did some research on Culture Cuppa, which is your organization, and then kind of dove into the podcast a little bit. Yes, like I think it's so evident that what I was able to kind of take away is that you really are big on the ability of kind of interpersonal communication. And what I love about what you're sharing here is that even just thinking internally versus externally with how an organization, one of your potential prospects or clients is doing business, can sometimes be all that it takes for people to thrive and strive in their business. Because as an example, sometimes things that are, you know, normal or just kind of expected in one country is not at all in another. And I just know that sometimes even from an employment standpoint, or even from the way you do a virtual meeting, there are ways that you could actually not, I don't want to use the word offend, but you could be doing things that aren't really proper etiquette or really aren't proper in that certain country. Is there anything that like, that you've noticed, like as you've kind of navigated this career and the launching of your business, like an interesting story where you've had what maybe somebody in a local country would think is just, oh my gosh, everybody knows that, but it was really profound for your client. I mean, I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, going back to the point of what is cultural intelligence, you know, cultural intelligence is that ability to function and relate effectively in culturally diverse situations. So I think one of the big challenges is sometimes people assume there is just one way of doing things, that what we assume the way we operate is kind of how other people operate. And clearly that just isn't true. So, you know, ideas of what is professional behavior, ways to interact in meetings, ways to contribute in meetings, these vary hugely around the world. And so, you know, when I'm doing my work, You know, we can look at capabilities that we can develop to get better at this, but we also can use the language of cultural values, which are, Mm. you know, the different cultural value maps out there. I use a particular one from the Cultural Intelligence Center, which is really about 10 sets of cultural values that give us a language to really discuss and explore those similarities and differences of behavioral approach of communication approach. And, you know, for me, that's really helpful because we're kind of discussing those without judgment. And Mm. I just give you a kind of an example. So, you know, actually I'll take it from my own experience. You know, I remember being in international brand marketing all those years ago 
and working with Germany. Now, I learned German, I know Germany quite well, and the communication style there is quite direct and to the point. So I kind of knew this. But however, it did sort of make me pause when I went into a meeting and I remember somebody saying to me, Victoria, I really, really do not like your idea. Mm. Now, interestingly, that could be interpreted actually almost as offensive to some people. Like they'd be like, why is this? Like, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the feedback. Yeah. But, you know, the pause for me was really important because I was like, okay, remember in Germany, they have a really direct communication style. And interestingly, the psychology of it as well in Germany is that it's not about criticizing me as a person or, you know, an individual. It is purely giving judgment on the idea. And if you understand that, then you can take that feedback and go, thank you. Okay, there's something here I need to improve. Now, that's a really funny story because, of course, for some people, they'd be like, oh, my goodness, what happened there? <laughs> what did I do wrong? Oh, my career is yes. on the line. But, you know, that's just a very small example, which shows you how things kind of kind of go wrong. Equally, you know, I've worked with clients who are Japanese, and that's really fascinating about how Japanese people express emotions or express their feelings, which is they are not very expressive generally. And generally, right. Generally. I mean, I'm going to come back to this idea of generally later because yes. that's really important. Yes. So, you know, when you're sort of, therefore, let's say somebody who's listening to this, their business wants to expand into Japan, maybe part of that process is recruiting some people who are coming from Japan to the team to be based over there. Then actually, you know, that interviewing process may be completely different from how you experience it, say, interviewing in North America or if there are any kind of British listeners, you know, in the UK, the way that people express their energy, their enthusiasm, their passion will be very different. And elements like nonverbal communication may be dialed down quite low. Yes. So these are just, you know, a couple of examples. And this is where, you know, coming back to cultural values, this really helps us because it gives us a language to kind of explore where it comes from is based on academic research, you know, 20 plus years of academic research. But then we also have to recognize their generalizations, their averages. Yes. And this yeah. is the real trick and the balance between understanding how we talk about the Germans, the Japanese, the Americans, yes. the British, right. but then at the same time recognize in an individual. That's totally, and I know what you're meaning, and I know why we both said generally, because in the world of podcasting, you know, like the words like always, or this is how something is, or everybody is that way, it's like there's always this thing, well, no, it's not. Like, I mean, not everybody, right? And we are so like in that boat. However, and I'll just give like a U.S. example, like, so some stereotypes in the U.S. might be that in New York, they're direct and they're just abrasive and will tell you. That does not mean that there's not a huge part of that population that's not that way. It's just like a generalization sometimes. Whereas in California, they'll just, you know, as an example, they would say they're overly nice and maybe they might never call you back, but they're going to tell you that the interview was wonderful. And again, those are like generalizations, but they help you navigate a landscape in a way, right? And so when it comes to these global cultures, there's a very real thing that really there are certain local 
traditions. I mean, not all these different countries go by the same thing that we experience here in the U.S. or in the U.K. or anywhere. And so you have to really know that unique marketplace to navigate it politely and compliantly. And I love what you were saying about Germany because it's like, I get it. And interestingly enough, I could see how knowing what that local culture is, how most likely you're going to feel the communication come across, how you can, by just understanding that, understand that it's not you. It's just a matter of how the interactions are and what takes place there. Absolutely. And if I can build on that, you know, it's really important that we recognize that awareness is a sort of a part of the basis. It's part of the foundations, but it doesn't just stop there. So, you know, historically, I think people used to kind of go and do cultural awareness training or cross-cultural training, which was like, okay, tell me everything there is to know about the US or launching into this market. Tell me everything there is to know about these people. And the reality is, you know, that can give you a starting point. But to yes. be culturally intelligent, you actually then need to kind of take the step back and then go, okay, what other dynamics might be going on? You know, how do we develop strategies to be more thoughtful in how we grow globally? How do we work this out? And that's part of the cultural intelligence piece, turning insight into something that is a strategy and then an action as well. Yeah. Yes. And how wonderful that is. I mean, I've even had, I mean, there is even a way you hand a business card in certain countries mm. that is respectful versus not. I don't know if that was Japan. It might be. Yeah, that's part of Japan. You need to hand the business card with two hands. And then you actually, when you receive the card as the person receiving it, you need to spend time thoughtfully studying it and very carefully examining all the details on there. This is a mark of respect. Things like this are so important to understand because, you know, if you go into expanding into a new market, you're completely unaware of these dynamics, particularly in somewhere like Japan, which has very rigid social norms and cultural norms, then you can make a huge mistake, which offends somebody. And they may not want to do business with you on the basis of something as simple as a business card and how you hold it. And then to the total opposite of that is how great could it enhance the relationship when they go, wow, Victoria's here and she like totally understands my culture and went out of her norm to accommodate what we're doing here in my local country. I totally like see how this is one of those things that can get a relationship off on the right foot, right? I want to dive into something like just I'm curious about this, but you mentioned, you know, you working into the international brand marketing and kind of the fact that with that role, you had to kind of know how to speak to different cultures and countries. Can you tell me one of your first experiences, you know, venturing outside of your local country and having an international experience? Well, that's a really great question because it goes all the way back to my childhood. But I mean, essentially, it's always been part of my DNA. You know, London is just like New York or other big international US cities, hugely multicultural. And that's a real joy, you know, to experience those cultures. But then I studied languages. So I was working and living abroad and then, you know, regularly traveling around Europe. But, you know, again, you know, sometimes, you know, relating it back to our previous conversations, Europe, I think sometimes is seen as one entity. But I mean, my goodness, Europe is hugely diverse in communication approaches, behavioral styles. 
So we really, you know, need to understand the nuances of different countries that we're working with. I mentioned working with Germany previously and living and studying there. I've worked quite regularly with France and with clients, both in my first career and in my current career, but also all over Europe. You know, most recently working with people in the Netherlands, in Sweden, Southern Europe with Italy and Spain, and just huge diversity. So for me, it's always been that real kind of what's always driven me is that curiosity piece really curious about the world. How do people operate? Why are they doing that? And I think this is often what helps us in these situations, starting with, in my world, I call it cultural intelligence drive. That's one of the capabilities. But have the curiosity to think, what's going on here? Why do people do that? What could be going Mm. on, even if that isn't familiar and what I would normally do? Wow, that's really great. And I think for anyone listening, and for sure for me, it really does just point out exactly that, which is, it's like, okay, yes, there's cultures. Yes, there's like these different norms. Some countries are very, you know, religious in some cases or not. And really just having someone who's just knows something about where you might potentially want to expand your business can help you so much and not just your hiring practices and how you communicate, but also how you lead your team. So with that question, I want to ask you, well, with that statement, I want to ask you, what are some of the challenges you see that surprise some of your clients when they dive into their first expansion or looking into a new marketplace? Indeed. Well, I mean, this can happen in the initial stages of expansion, but it can also happen when the teams are established and you're running kind of very large global virtual teams that never really get together in person. And I think there are some surprises. I think it goes back to that, you know, sometimes there's this expectation that there is the one way of doing things, which is often, you know, without being frank, it's usually based on the North American, Western European style of leadership and what business looks like. But, you know, the realities are that actually there are many different expectations. So to give you an example, how people relate to power dynamics, you know, in some cultures, it's very important that there is a clear, strong leader who takes the decisions and is really clearly in charge. Now, you know, I would say the US, just like the UK, is fairly egalitarian. You know, the culture is fairly more, you know, not hierarchical. So then if you're expanding into a market that is, then you need to understand that your leadership team need to be adapting to that style to help the people feel comfortable, to get the best out of people, to really encourage them to really do their best. So that's just kind of one example. But even things like, you know, how do you reflect feedback to individuals? Mm. You know, if I go back to Japan, and in fact, this is true in many Asian cultures, there is a sense of you know, harmony, which means that actually, and avoiding confrontation, which means that giving feedback, particularly negative feedback, is seen as quite confrontational. So you would never do that in front of the group in a meeting. You would need to, you know, do it privately, gently, really expressing it indirectly. These are things that you need to know. Otherwise, you can create real kind of issues within the team as a leader and really, you know, disengage people and make them feel kind of really not on the spot and not really like that they're doing a good job. So these kinds of things, how you give feedback, how you lead, incredibly important. 
even aspects like your non-verbal communication, which includes your body language, your hand gestures, your facial expressions. We mentioned this briefly at the beginning with interviewing, say, but, you know, if you think about, say, Italy or Southern Europe, incredibly expressive cultures generally, you know, very much wanting to commit themselves and show their warmth for this way. And again, if you're somebody who's not particularly expressive, you might need to think and reflect about adapting your leadership style to demonstrate this so that people connect with you as a leader. Oh my gosh. I just love this because this is what this show is all about. It's that capability of consideration because realistically, someone in this remote world potentially could be operating in four different countries. One could be Japan, one could be Germany, one could be Dubai, each time needing to just put the odds in their favor that they're coming across in a way that at least is coherent with that local country. And this idea of like, almost like a coaching flow chart, we're working with you before a meeting in Italy, potentially you're just going here, just a few things I need to keep in mind. I would have never known this. You know, how interesting that potentially there could have been people that are listening to this show that had meetings with Italian business people, and maybe they came off as super not excited and almost lame because they weren't maybe animated a little more. Maybe they appeared to be reserved even though they weren't, but this goes into those perceptions, and this is why coaching and knowing and understanding where you're doing business could come in just as a huge element of kind of putting the odds in your favor. Love this. I love where we're going. Do we have, do you feel like you have some more time? Because I have like several more oh, questions Oh, yeah, for absolutely. You. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But actually, could I jump in with just yeah, something? Yeah, please. Because I think it was really important. I'd love to be able to share with the listeners here that, you know, one of the really important things that I really want to emphasize is, of course, it's really, you need to understand the market you're expanding into, all the markets, the cultures that you're talking to and who you're working with. And yet at the same time, you know, I'm going to put up my hands here, which I'm doing on screen, but I, you know, I'm putting up my hands and saying, clearly I cannot be an expert in every culture and neither would I pretend to be. But that's where, you know, the idea of cultural intelligence for me is really powerful because whatever the context, whatever the variety of cultures that we're talking about, we have an approach with measurable capabilities where we can work out, you know, what is our kind of CQ drive? So the confidence piece, the motivation piece, we can build up CQ knowledge. So that's cultural intelligence knowledge and our awareness. But then we move into the cultural intelligence strategy piece. And that's where it gets really interesting. Because even if we don't have all the facts and the knowledge, we can still plan and work out how we're going to approach this meeting. How are we going to be in behaving in with these people, what do we think is going to work? But the smart piece of the strategy is not just planning, it's being aware in the moment and using your eyes and using your ears and saying, okay, what I kind of expected from my research, is that true? Or are these people perhaps different? Perhaps they've got different cultural influences on them and then adapting yourself. And that's, you know, the real beauty of it. You know, once we understand this, we can put in place these strategies. We can do the actions around changing our behaviors and communication approach. And that for me is the real kind of strength of it. It doesn't really matter how many different cultures we have in front of us or whether we're working with cultures we're just not that familiar with. 
we can still take this approach. Oh, that is great stuff. And you're so spot on. This is wonderful. Okay, so when you start working with a client, this is something I'm just super curious about. What's the process? So let's just say you get a call from someone they're listening or they've heard about you. Mm. They've seen you at the chamber and they're going, you know what? I would like to maybe talk to Victoria, find out, you know, what my diagnosis is or what, or what she suggests. How does it all begin? And then what's that process working with you? Absolutely. So basically, obviously, if somebody gets in touch, for me, it's really important to spend really quality deep dive time understanding what's really going on. So not just some sort of top line facts about what they want to do or where they want to launch or where they're working, but really what's going on. What have the experiences been? What have they seen or observed already with their interactions? And so really getting to understand what the objective is and what the needs might be. So that's really the starting point. We then move into CQ cultural intelligence assessments. So this is a, I talked about a measurable way for us to say, okay, what is our score in cultural intelligence? And that's really helpful because again, this is based on 20 plus years of research we absolutely can have that certainty. We understand what your capabilities are. Now, sometimes that's just with an individual, if I'm coaching, or that could be with a whole team, you know, hundreds of people who want to get their individual profiles, but also get the team picture as well, which can be very helpful because then you can identify as an organization, okay, this is where we need to really support our people and develop them. But, you know, the scores are meaningless unless we do something with them. And that's where the coaching and the training comes in. So, you know, coaching, clearly meeting clients one to one training that could be anything from, you know, half day, full day session with a team or an organization to help them really explore this idea of what is cultural intelligence What are the strategies they're going to develop to improve their capabilities in these areas? And then applying them to a real life situation that the organization is actually experiencing. For me, this is in very quick way, but, you know, this is the best way for them to really turn that kind of problem into a solution so they can actually start diagnosing what's going on with our organization and what is it we really need to do here. Wonderful. Okay. And I want to just talk about objectives for a minute. So, I feel like I've been kind of biased to keep thinking about everything internally, like teams, you know, talking to each other, having employees that are in these different countries. I also think in this like conversation, I've also continued to just kind of consider business dealings like deal makers sitting down at a table. But let's talk about people who might be in marketing. I know that that's your background. And I just want to ask if somebody isn't even located in a country that they might want to just do kind of a parachute drop and, you know, sell their product or service in these countries, but might not have a team member, is that something that you would be able to assist in or have an influence to help them succeed? Absolutely. I mean, certainly with my marketing background, I can give perspectives. And I think what's really important to realize it's all communication, right? It's communication to your ideal customer or client. And, you know, things can go horribly wrong if we don't appreciate some of these cultural norms, what is important from the way, for example, if you were doing advertising, what people are wearing, like what they're saying, how they say it, what your tagline is. There are loads of examples out there of companies who have not got it right. I remember years ago, there was a particular car company who launched the Nova into Spain. 
Well, nova, I think, means new in some languages, but in Spain, it means it doesn't go. (laughs) (laughs) So so you can kind of absolutely understand this was a major problem and it really flopped. Now, I'm not a language expert in the sense of translation or localization of text. But, you know, certainly I have, you know, lots of contacts in that field. But part of what I can absolutely add is the cultural element. What are the things you need to be so aware of? And, you know, let's be real. This is not about soft skills, which are nice to have. This is a difference between being successful, landing your business and failing. And that's really big deal, right? Like, you know, this is what's so important that we need to appreciate. Yeah. And what I keep thinking of is that Let's just say if I was a potential client of yours, like just going back to this Nuovo word, that might not be on my radar at all, but just because we're having a conversation and this is what you do day in, day out, you, regardless if you're a language expert or not, going, here's what I'm going to be looking into. This is my collaborative because obviously you have connections and you've been through this routinely. So that checklist that's professionally intuitive to you, Victoria, running this company that's all about communication, what a great service that is because it allows that client, that potential prospect that is just trying to do a little bit of discovery in a marketplace to uncover like some of the, you know, for lack of a better word, landmines that they don't want to step on, right? I love that. One thing I also wanted to ask you, just because I'm curious, you and I are on very different time zones. This is something that reoccurs. My role with Safeguard Global, I'm constantly talking to people all over the world, and sometimes we're in different meetings. What do you say about meetings in different time zones, especially whether you're a manager that has employees all over the globe and you're doing remote meetings? Or if you're someone who has clients, if you were to make a recommendation or you would say what you think works in that, what is the rule or the constant that you've noticed in being kind of an international communicator? So I think it's really, I mean, that's a brilliant question, Warren. And I think, you know, for me, it's about as a leader being very sensitive to what the team needs are. I think there are too many meetings that happen at crazy times of the day or night for too many individuals. Now, obviously, it depends on the global reach that you're trying to get into the room. And clearly, if you're trying to reach from Australia to the North America, that is challenging. However, you know, I have a quite a big passion, which is really encouraging people, particularly when they're leading global teams like this, to agree what are the parameters of how we're communicating. I call it a communication charter. And this is so important, whether it's at the beginning and the kickoff of a new team, whether it's just for a project team, or even if you've never done this, this is a great exercise. Sitting down with your people and saying, okay, guys and girls, like, how do we want to communicate with each other? You know, what are working hours for everybody here? Because, you know, the idea of what are working hours varies hugely. Some people have very strict boundaries. They come from cultures which are what we describe as more being cultures. And some people are more kind of flexible. They don't really mind because it suits them. So, you know, having communication charters are really helpful. How do we want to interact? What are working hours? You know, when are meeting core hours? Like, let's agree that as a team. So, you know, for any leader who's listening to this and thinking, like, how do I juggle this? Ask your people. Like, have a really good session around how do you communicate across different channels? 
And actually, I would say also be really clear about how you're communicating internally. I think one of the biggest challenges that are going on right now is that there's just too much communication that flies around and people get very confused. Are we communicating on the Teams chat? Are we communicating on email? Are we doing this in this channel on via docs or what are we doing? So just get super clear about the role of different collaboration tools. When are you going to use them for each type of activity? And like, how do people want to interact with each other? And that's a really good exercise to do together as a team. I love that. I'm going to make just a comment about that, which is like, when you have a meeting, just something as simple as ours, it's like, if I just name whatever time I want to meet, it's almost like there's no compromise, potentially, if I don't consider your time zone. So I feel like even like us setting up this meeting, there's a little bit of like, oh, let's look and what time will that be for you? What time will that be for me? And it's like this compromise Maybe sometimes you're just so excited to get a deal or have a conversation with someone that you're willing to wake up at two in the morning or three in the morning, potentially, maybe, you know, so all of that, I think, does need to be considered. And I love that we're diving into that because it's a real thing. And you have to almost realize that even if you're an empathetic person, you could be missing the boat completely because you're not doing a little bit of research right before the call and going, ah, it's a nine hour spread between here and there. I want them to be comfortable with the time of this meeting. Absolutely. And if I just add to that, like weekends are different days in different countries. In Israel, Ah. the weekend is Friday and Saturday and parts of the Middle East. So you need to know that, right? Like you're not- I would never know that. (laughs) This is exactly why somebody needs a coach, right? Yeah. This is global fluency to me. It's like, no, like I can't know it all, but I'm learning something every single day. I mean, it's like this idea that weekends aren't the same in every place. I didn't even think of it. Right. And then you take into account public holidays, key times. Even the way we write the date between the UK and the US is different, right? So I don't know if you know this. Like if you wrote down 06.07, that would mean to me the 6th of July. (laughs) Yes, I did notice that. (laughs) Uh, All right. So another quick question for you is what are some of the strengths working with Culture Cuppa, which is your business, Versus some of potentially people that are in the same business or organizations. What have you really, when you built this company out, what were some of the things that were important to you to make sure were not just your strengths, but something that would really assist you in showing your value proposition? Brilliant question. And I think for me, you know, it comes down to what we do as an organization. So, you know, I have this really strong belief about cultural intelligence, not just awareness. So we need to get the insights, but then we need to do something with that and turn those into strategies and actions. And when it comes to our values, you know, within the organization, what matters to us, you know, that's about boldness, you know, about being bold and going out there and going out into the world and growing it globally. It's about positivity. So, you know, for me, having that curiosity about the world and, you know, bringing that positivity, no matter what comes up, even when it's uncomfortable, you know, part of cultural intelligence is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then really, really importantly, connection. You know, this is what it's all about. It's kind of in my DNA from my own personal kind of experiences of growing up. But for me, connection is what it's all about. What we're trying to do here is connect the world without sounding cheesy and corny, but that's really what it's about. And in business, this matters more than ever. When you think about 
the huge dynamic changes happening within tech and AI and so on. Where we make a difference as people, as humans, is in our ability to connect with each other. And that's really the beauty for me of where cultural intelligence, my approach, our company approach comes in to really connect people together. I love it. Okay. So now there's a part as I kind of land the plane now, I, I would like to just kind of move from us kind of talking about Culture Cuppa, your professional career day in, day out, doing the coaching and really just kind of being a cultural I want to just say like a cultural guru for some people that are really looking to just get the information without spending hours and hours or months and months of time learning hard lessons, right? Like you are that solution that kind of allows them to sidestep a lot of hard lumps that they might get if they try to go it alone, right? Okay, but I want to get into Victoria. And so like these are just a few questions that I think will help in several different ways. And the first one is for you personally, what tool or resource do you find vital for going global or international? Like what is a tool that you personally use daily or you recommend often? Wow. Well, if I was going to be really, really sort of focusing on what I truly believe, it is actually the cultural intelligence framework, which comes from the Cultural Intelligence Center. But I refer to this every day. It's a compass for how I navigate what's going on. I use it in my own work with my coaching clients, with my training teams and organizations, but I use it personally. I always use it when I'm approaching new clients, when I'm thinking about like, okay, what's motivating them? What makes them tick? You know, how am I going to approach these interactions? How am I going to adapt my own communication and style and behaviors? So that really is a tool that I genuinely use myself on a daily basis to be better at what I do. Nice. Okay. And the next question is, what is one lesson you learned from working beyond your home country? Something maybe early on in your career or something more recent, but just something that really stands out to you that really has kind of shaped the way you prepare for an opportunity or something you've experienced? I think, you know, it's hard to kind of put my finger on a really specific example, but I think, you know, the interesting thing that I've learned over time is you need to be very careful of assumptions. So you might assume you understand, or you might assume you know what's going on, but it always pays to take the extra pause and ask good quality questions just to make absolutely sure that you've understood Sometimes when you dig a little deeper, you've only understood the surface level, what somebody's saying. What you really get to when you dig deeper is actually there's something else going on. And culturally, there are some cultures that are not comfortable expressing their views and opinions just by you asking a question. That's where it pays to really get deeper and not assume that you know it all as yet. Wonderful. Okay. Last question and then we'll land the plane here. So <laughs> last question for you personally is, what is one of your favorite stories that relate to working in the global workplace? Like client or not, just something that for you just was like, kind of like, I don't know if you guys go bowling over there, but it's like you hit a strike and it just felt great or you hit a home run, like just something that just really reminds you why you love what you do and why it's important. Do you know, I mean, I think I'm going to relate this actually to examples between the UK and the US. I find this really fascinating as well, that 
despite the fact, you know, we have a common language, we absolutely have lots of common heritage and history. There is something that sometimes goes on where we are using different words to mean different things. And this can lead to massive miscommunications and misunderstandings. And, you know, sometimes that is as simple as as slang. It can be the words we use for things like, I mean, even something as simple as referring to like going back to marketing days, referring if somebody was wearing pants, you know, in the UK, that means underwear. In the US, that means trousers. You know, just simple vocabulary can lead to kind of big, big differences. So, you know, that is probably a more generalized example, but there is always so much that goes on, which is just not clear. And I think, you know, for me, cultural intelligence helps us to really clear that fog, to take off our own glasses, put on somebody else's glasses and just see it differently and kind of go, actually, I understand now what's driving. I understand the intention behind the behaviors and the communication. That's what's really going on here. And I get now how to connect with this person. Wow, Victoria Reynoldson, thank you so much. This was really great. Before well, we close you. it out, <laughs> I just want to give you a chance to you know, just share how if somebody wants to just connect with you, I know LinkedIn would be a great way to do it, but how would somebody connect with you and potentially set up a meeting or start a conversation? Fantastic. First of all, thank you, Warren, for a brilliant, brilliant show interview. I loved it being here today. Certainly, if people are interested, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Victoria Reynoldson, it's spelled R-E-N-N-O-L-D-S-O-N. And then alternatively, you know, people might be interested in listening to the podcast, if it's okay to share that here as well. So they can head over to my website, Culture Cuppa, which is spelled C-U-P-P-A dot com forward slash podcast. And they can find out more, listen to the episodes and watch the video versions as well. Well, thank you very much. I love that. I will put all of this contact information in our show notes. And thank you for tuning in to one of the first episodes of the Global Business Builders podcast. Thank you, Victoria. And hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.